0: Revenge of the 80s Kids has been rated B for podcast.
1: the liberty of upgrading the 80s phenomenometer.
0: Oh, this is very interesting. What have you done? Please tell me.
1: Well, you see, we've previously had only two spaces in the phenomenometer, and it occurs to me that we now need three. Um, But, uh, yeah, and not only that, but I've, I've compacted it down to handheld. Oh, hello, it's the wife. She hasn't been on in a while. Hello, wife.
2: I still think you need four. I need a place occasionally.
1: I'll put one in next time. Yeah. Uh, I'll get it done by next week. But well, let's hope that, the, that this one doesn't sort of blow up or something. Uh, but it has, in fact, I've managed to compact it down into handheld form. Uh, and so I've stealth altered all of you and myself into different costumes. I can see that you, for example, Ian, um, in traditional um, spirit, uh, uh, have got a long scarf on and, and it's just, you know, the usual thing that we've come to expect from you, you know, uh, sneakers, a bow tie, which looks very cool, except not with the scarf. Justin, on the other hand, he's wearing a long pair of black triangular ears and a big cape. <coughs> and I myself am uh, bedecked in armour. Yeah, usually you get the uh, robot, don't you, Ian? Uh, uh, yes, um, uh, traditionally <laughs> I forsake my humanity yeah, I don't for the
0: power of the machine.
1: So, so that's what the phenomenon has done to all three of us, and I, I'm not entirely sure why. Maybe we're about to have a themed news segment. What do you think, Ian?
0: I think it's on the cards. I so I silly. Let me put my fez down over there, and and say that perhaps. Uh, I am obviously, for some reason, unbeknown to me at the moment, representing Doctor Who. Whereas Justin over there is clearly representing the Caped Crusader. But this armoured figure before me, uh, Leo, this is most fascinating. What do you make of it?
1: I think there's some kind of um, timey-wimey thing going on with the chronometer, where uh, with the uh, phenomenometer, where it's actually transformed you into a piece of recasting from the recent past. Justin, into a piece of casting from the very immediate present, and I I represent the ghost of casting yet to come. Um, so maybe we should deal with the uh, items in that order. Uh, so yes, Doctor Who, recently recast, Ian. Now, I know that you, you've said that this is a ground that has been covered quite thoroughly elsewhere, but not by us. So your thoughts on the casting of one Peter Holdy as the Doctor?
0: Oh my God! I, I, m- the moment I heard about the news, I, I just felt this, this sinking, deep, dark depression come over me. But all the whining we're going to get about this absolutely <laughs> amazing piece of casting—fairly uh, uncontroversial—I'm um, I'm sorry to say about this cast. I think it's very a very good choice. I think we're in some fairly solid hands. I think whatever we get with the Doctor, it's going to be done quite well with Capaldi in the park. It's almost too good to be true. I'm more anxious about how long are we going to get him? Is he just going to do a year and disappear with Moffitt or something like that? Is he?
3: Is it just one year and then they'll take a break and then they'll like, make the Doctor Who movie or something like that? You know, He's an uber Doctor Who fan, so I think he's probably going to stay in for as long as he's enjoying it. Um, traditionally, though, they have always said it's, it's a very... It's a very
0: demanding part because the doctor is pretty much on screen, or the doctor or the companion on the screen, pretty much the whole time. Uh, so it's always been kind of like, it's it, it, it's always been said, like, you know, we don't want to push the casting of Too Far Beyond 40 because it's so grueling. Uh, and, and goodness me, younger men have left after three years. Um, so it is worth reflecting he is as old as Hartnell was when he was cast as the doctor. Um, he's not the oldest person ever cast as the Doctor, but there's an Iraqi reasons for that. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I just I'm very excited. I was quite relieved. I think I think, um, I think for anyone who's been a fan of classic Doctor Who, it's very uncontroversial to, to have a, you know an older actor cast as the Doctor. He was never really a sex symbol. He was all more of Yvonne Keeler than anything else. So, people are saying, though, like, oh, he's, he's going to, General Louise Coleman is too young for him. I'm thinking, what? <laughs> Doesn't this have to build towards romance, you know? Yeah,
1: um, that's one of the things that I, I two things ran through my head upon seeing the casting. One was, well, he was good as the Angel Islington, so that's nice, uh, which many people have probably forgotten from uh, the uh,
3: miniseries Neverwhere, written yeah, by and Lenny Henry. Incidentally, um, which I believe they're doing a new version of not British TV, but I think American is doing American TV's Doing yes, yes, yes. Uh,
1: the other thing that, that ran through my head is that maybe finally we can get rid of this idea that you know he has to be followed by round by a baby in a miniskirt or whatever. <laughs> I mean, can we can we move
3: on from that now? I think that I think it's kind of surprisingly refreshing, even though it's a heart back to the early days. You know, we're yes. kind of used to seeing these kind of prepubescent kind of presenters and actors in things in children's TV and stuff. And actually, uh, I think it's a, a great move kind of pick an actor just, just because he's right for the part, irrespective of the fact that, you know, of what age he is. And I think um, I think it's only going to add, you know, uh, more weight to the role of the doctor and the, the series. I mean, he's, he's a fantastic actor. You know,
0: Certainly, this very... time online
3: there was a, there was a much bigger
0: push for let's have a non-white actor, let's have let's have a, well, a woman play the part. I was to say, that was you know, definitely as, uh, louder than it's ever been before. We
1: are all so aware. I... We are all aware, are we not, that that um, actually Capaldi was the second phone call made from the casting department, not the first.
3: I don't know who the first choice was.
1: The first call, uh, the first call was a was a, was a black actor.
3: Okay. Oh, uh, and also Bill
0: Nye recently came out and said he was not... He hasn't said when he was asked for a doctor, but he has confirmed he was asked for a doctor and turned it down.
1: Yes. Well, I, mean, yeah, I can Well, I can kind of sympathise with Nye because what Nye instantly probably thought was, ah, those Underworld movies, they nearly killed me. I think I'll yeah.
0: ask. <laughs> yeah. When you say Underworld movies, he was CGI'd to yeah. hell for okay. Caribbean.
2: Sue, come back. I was just going to say... What were you gonna say? I think um Ian sort of mentioned it already though, as the only woman in the room I have to kind of say though, I'm kind of I am a little bit sad that we didn't have a race change or a sex change on this one. Because I think we're getting to that stage now where, you know, I know it's a bit controversial to do that to the doctor, but at the same time, you know, it's two thousand and thirteen people. Come it's, on. It will
3: happen. It I'm pretty certain it will. And the yes. reason I believe that is the fact that they have chosen an actor because, you know, um, he's a good actor. So if yeah. someone fits the bell the bill in the future doesn't matter what you know sex they are. Well, I believe they will choose them. It's just that perhaps there may not have been the right woman for the role at, at the moment. Yeah. But, the, but Moffat has certainly said that that's an option. So I, I think it, I think it will happen. It's just a case of when.
2: Well, I just hope it does eventually because I think it's a bit sad actually at the moment. I would be, but we're not got there.
3: Yeah. I, well, no, I, I agree but... with you. And I, I would personally, my personal favourite is for Sue Perkins to be Doctor Who. Yeah, but, you
2: know. I agree with you on that one but, as well.
3: But, um, uh, but I think that if it had been another younger man, I think at that point I would have gone, well, this is clearly what Doctor Who is now, and that's it, you know. Um, so it at least gives me the option, the, the, the hope that they, they will pick someone that's right, you yeah. know. Um, so I think that those things are very much on the cards. And as they've said, if they've offered it, a role to a black actor, and he has you know, he hasn't, he's turned down for some reason, and they've picked someone who's just a good actor. Well, when like, I, when they said,
1: unlucky. yeah, when I heard that, in fact, it was, I th- it may have been Capaldi himself, who said, you realise I'm not, I'm really glad that this person turned it down, but I'm, I wasn't the first choice. Um, so it, it wasn't anyone else going, oh, no, it wasn't even his first choice. I think he let the cat out of the bag on that. Uh, I instantly, my my actual first thought, bearing in mind sort of all of the things um, that that go into a Doctor Who casting choice, I instantly thought they might have asked Patterson Joseph. Uh,
3: I was just going to say him. It's highly I've, likely I've always yeah. thought he would make a great Doctor. Uh,
1: the 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 larger part of the rumor uh, believes that it was in fact Idris Elba. Who turned it down because of commitments? Oh, I, to... I think it's a bit too current with
3: everything else that's going oh, on. Yeah, like, well, that's the thing. Well, I saw, I, I, and, um,
0: but, uh, everyone thinks Joseph Patterson because he, he was just so he just kind of stole the show as the Marquis de Carabas. Yeah. It, it never yeah. Uh, yeah. And and so he's always been floated around as a kind of a, 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 the first Black Doctor since then. That was back in the nineties.
1: Well, no, uh, I instantly thought that I didn't and he know was, that.
0: It was the fun runner uh, in speculation when Matt Smith was cast.
1: I didn't. I didn't know any of that. I just thought. bearing in mind the fact that Neil Gaiman writes for the show uh, and is very uh, enthusiastic on that, and all of the other stuff that goes, and the fact that they pick someone who wouldn't be your, they always pick someone who wouldn't be, oh yes, I think of him, which they have done here, to be fair. Um, I just thought that would be a good... But as
2: I said to you, I would if I was going to pick a race change, Doctor, I would go Asian, and I'd go somebody like Al Ray. Yeah. So, you know, you could also go with that way as well. I mean, he's 40s, he's slightly, you know what I mean, on trend, but he's slightly obscure as well. You know I what th- I
3: mean? I, I think what it shows now is it, you know, we could have well have had these casting decisions before. It's just that, you know, people have turned down roles. Yeah. And, and I think it's a big role. You know, I think it's a it's a massive. If you're if you're now, you know, getting, doing films and stuff, you're too big, you know, to do it. You've got to be. It, it's going to absorb all of your time. So I think it's it's a, going to be a question that and uh, that an actor is going to think to themselves: This is a great role, but it's a big, you know, this is a big commitment. So not so it's possible that a lot of people have been asked and they have turned it down. So I don't think you can just say that they are purposely only choosing you know white people to play roles and everything else.
1: I think I think um, what you yeah I think what you've put your finger on there Justin is that there are many factors come into the casting yeah. of any no, I particular do
2: think, I do think, I agree with you all though I do think it was a good choice in the end I do think going older was a great choice so yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we
3: have got fingers crossed for yes. future doctors and their sex and
0: and so right. I think worth a particularly geeky thing it's worth bearing in mind is that um, Recently, Moffat came out and, and said oh, that, uh, yes, he's sticking to the old tradition that a Doctor can only regenerate 12 times, which, if you take into account the John Hurt revelation, a Doctor's used up all his lives when he becomes Capaldi. Yeah. Um, so, if he regenerates, he, he, of course, he's going to carry on regenerating because it's Doctor Who. Um, but if he's going to ha- confront that as a, as a plot point, then perhaps, you know, a, a gender change uh, can be more acceptable when he begins a whole new life cycle, if you know what I mean. He goes beyond what was his initial... Life and goes into
3: the second life thing, so I don't know. So it's kind of a rebirth will be I mean, his next. So thing about start. Loot, Everything is up for grabs. So I think you know, I think that. Uh, I think I think in terms of yeah. we, we, we've reached the tipping point.
0: I think where the public are going to be really, really okay with a doctor being a woman or or someone non-white.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I think what we've we've put our finger on is that there's a lot of choices that come into the casting of any big role. And uh, you know they, and the people don't always get what they want, and maybe well, it's, it's explained. Well, it's
0: unusual because we wouldn't say, "I can't believe they haven't cast, a, you know, a normal actor as Batman," because, the, because yeah, that would maybe, maybe because, it's, I was it's, today. this is this kind of you know he's he's like you know the what do they call those things those all. Little... You maybe. draw on them and you stick and you can draw on them again because you you he anyone can play the Doctor, which, uh, which you can't really do with any other I was going
1: to say, maybe this explains the rather curious choice that came out in the news yesterday that explains Justin's costume from the <laughs> reporter today. Uh, i head in shame. Justin not sounding so much like the Batman there as like the Joker. The insane laughter, <laughs> uh, possibly the only reaction you could muster. Yes.
0: Well, it it's, it's like weeping to me and clawing up the floor. It's
3: like oh my Batman is like my favourite comic character, and it's like I something has ripped inside of my you know chest cavity and pulled out of my heart. And it's. Do you want to oh tell to
1: the children at home uh, <laughs> why you are so upset, Mister
3: Justin? I have two words to say to you, Ben Affleck.
0: So take it in the forthcoming Superman versus Batman. You'll be
3: rooting for Superman this time round to uh, pummel Batman into a bloody pulp. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and but that does you know I do not like Batman as a character, but I will quite happily see him share all the screen time and. Batman just to turn up at the end or something. because you you don't I, like Superman as
1: a character? I don't like Superman as a character, sorry. Um, you see, the Ben Affleck thing is coming into your head already Go, I don't like Batman as a character. I thought oh, he, I, see, I thought he thought
3: was, you quite like Batman. It's oh, viewpoint on comics, you see. From he's just... Oh my God. I can't... I can't... I, I've just learned this news um, in the last kind of half I, of an and hour. And you're squeezing your squeezy toy to
0: try I and calm yourself.
3: uh and I, I, I can't really believe it. I honestly going what? <laughs> um, Batman, though, on film, to be fair, hasn't been known for its, the, its amazing casting. And there's been some dodgy things along the way, but I think this is probably the lowest point. Uh, can I just ask, what is with the squeaky toy? I'm looking after a dog. I'm not just squeaking. Ah, I see. Right.
1: Okay. There we go. That... Not,
3: not a dog. A dog that can't just sit quiet it needs my constant attention. So you may well, you know, hear sounds of me throwing balls and. Sorry, I apologise. <laughs> <laughs> That's.
0: There is distressed
3: no, like toy. He's <laughs> squeezing it away, thinking <laughs> ben, Affleck, ben Affleck, Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck Oh, oh. oh. A, a Batman toy. <laughs> um,
0: there we go. Uh, Matt, Matt Damon as
3: Alfred. There we go. He'll be fine. I um, I just don't get it, really. I don't get it. It doesn't work. I think the problem, you know, since uh, um, the uh, you know the last films, it just seems like a million miles away. They seem to be like had a clue what they were doing, and now. You know, I mean, how can you go from Christian Bale to, to Ben Affleck? Well, that's that's the thing, you see, because uh, you take
0: you take Christian Bale out of the Batman casting equation and you have a completely different set of actors of which Ben Affleck does not particularly, you know, stand out as like, oh, what, what a surprisingly controversial choice you've gone for there. You know, you you, you know, from, from Adam West to Michael Keaton, uh, and then you've got Val Kilmer and George Clooney, followed by, you know, Ben Affleck. That kind of seems kind of like a, a almost a, a sort of like oh the u- usual guys are being asked again. Oh,
1: I just want to I just want to point out here, by the way, at, at the risk of inspiring even more ire, I think the thing that strikes me about the list you just gave Ian is that in all those cases, I mean, when Tim Burton took on Batman in 1989. He said you know, his his reported thing when so people said, Hey Tim, do you want to direct a Batman movie? He goes, hey, Are you kidding? I loved that T V show. You yes. know, he just didn't know anything about the comics really at all. Awesome. And what he wanted to do, he believed he was remaking a television show based on this you know, Adam West thing and all of that. Um and therefore Jack Nicholson becomes a spiritual successor to Cesar Romero. Yeah. yeah. Um The then after that, you know, you're always trying to do this, but Warner's had this idea. It's like, oh, it's a cartoon, it's a comic, you know. If people are going to go and see this film, then it's going to have to be light and fluffy and colourful and, you know, all of this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
3: you know, it got what, it got more and more like the TV show as it went on to the point where you get, like, Batman and Robin, you know, which is unwatchable. You know, it's just some hideous pantomime... You know, um, it 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 would have been it wouldn't be. I think George Clooney, you know, might may have
1: been a fantastic Batman, but he was in that film, um, and so yeah, so that's what's happening here uh, all the way along. Ben Affleck, who fits kind of in that role, that that sort of mould, and and you know may turn in a credible performance if that's the way you're looking at it, is one thing. But they have confirmed that in Batman vs Superman, currently titled Man of Steel two. No mention of Batman at all. Right. Just Man of Steel 2. Um, right. Batman in that is going to be a darker, older, Dark Knight. What? Right, the, the sort of Dark what? So they've got the athlete,
3: because he's the guy to go to when you go for old, grizzled Batman,
0: right? <laughs> what? <laughs> what are they playing at? To spark controversy, I don't think it's that... It's not as horrific a decision as people think. I don't think it's going to be as terrible as people think either.
1: I was just I was just letting Justin off the leash for a few minutes, uh, oh appropriate God, given the dog this. thing, bearing in mind the fact that you know um, I, I'm I'm <laughs> one of the few people in the world who actually really likes Daredevil. I thought that I mean when okay. I I actually went to see Daredevil with Ian in the cinema in Swansea, did
0: I not, Ian? Uh You might have been there, I, I, I'll go with it, if you'd say it was. I think we came out there going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, That
1: happened, yes, I remember the, distinctly there very much. But the problem with that was that there were two cuts of the movie, and Fox, who owned the rights at the time, they did this to Mark <laughs> Stephen Johnson not once, but twice. Um, Mark Stephen Johnson made the movie, cut it the way he wanted it to, and went, how do you like this it's for a Daredevil movie? <laughs> And I think the studios at Fox went, yeah, that's a great Daredevil, movie, I suppose, but it's not very, it's not very cinema. Um, so we want you to cut it again for a cinema audience who may not care so much about Daredevil. So what we got in the cinema with Daredevil was what uh, Mark Stephen Johnson refers to as the "You Killed My Girlfriend" cut of Daredevil. And then later they allowed him to release his director's cut on DVD, which is a, adds a massive like forty minutes of footage, and is a much better movie. Um, and yeah, I mean, I I I think it was fine. I just know that it wasn't very popular. See, so I, was I, I don't want
3: this just to be like I hate Ben Affleck. I just want to say that I'm just talking about the role of Batman. Ben Affleck is a very amiable guy, and. Uh, um, I don't. I think the role of Batman, you know, he he's. Then Affleck will make a, you know, a, a a a great kind of Bruce Wayne kind of playboy type. But I think um, Christian Bale has kind of left his legacy. You know, we were expecting you know, Batman was always the fans always wanted, you know, this kind of darker, more edgier character. I mean, that's I, what Batman is.
1: Ironically,
3: I would actually
1: beg to differ with you about mm. Christian Bale's. Strong points. I think Christian Bale made a great Bruce Wayne because um, he managed to cook up this thing where if you were not like looking at the level of a celebrity, then he was just this kind of shallow, not very interesting celeb type. You could see that because they did a few scenes where he was like tottering out of sports cars with models. Yes. But then if you actually knew Bruce Wayne personally, you'd be like... That's a guy with a lot of messed up wiring in his head, and yes. that was a, it. He was a very interesting performance from that point of view, in that you wouldn't think necessarily, oh, he's Batman, but you would think he's weird. He's a very strange cookie. Well, I'm
3: just and then like when he
1: was Batman, it, it, you know, there were so many people who were like, "What is with the voice?" And yeah, what's was going bit, on? It was, it was a bit over the top. Um, and I think maybe. Because Nolan's obviously involved. Christopher Nolan's involved with Man of Steel, and obviously, therefore, he's involved in this. That I think what Nolan says is, well, as long as the the action scenes with the Batman are directed correctly, you, doesn't that part takes care of itself? That's what you're going can, can, can I?
0: Can I just ask Justin? Have Have you actually seen the award winning Argo? Uh, I haven't. I want to. I, want, I need to see it uh, because he plays it quite. He he he's not you know he, he really just plays it totally real almost
3: morose uh, in Argo. So I you know, want to see uh, Ben Affleck just be well, serious for two well, hours. He, he, just, he doesn't it just doesn't feel right to me you know it just doesn't feel he's right. Well uh, he's got coin, he's got quite a pedigree
0: in him I know it's Daredevil but well yeah there you there we are. yeah Kevin Smith mate gets cast as Batman. Well there we are at least, yeah, this, at least it wasn't a Nicolas Cage Superman.
3: Uh, well, that's not saying much, but I I, I reserve judgment on it. I think, I just think it's, they missed a trick there because because I think it would have been great to have a kind of an older, more, to have a difference between the kind of, the big bulky Superman actor. Well, I think, I think incidentally, it's very good for him. It's called uh, Castle Older Batman. It's like, you know, get Clint Eastwood. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's fine. very But speaking
0: of casting speculation, uh, Leo and your curious set of gold and red armour that you're wearing.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, all of this uh, known casting quantities and controversial casting decisions and, you know, because it doesn't matter what, you know, we were very pro- uh, Capaldi. I'm not going to go and say I'm pro Affleck, but I'm not as against Affleck as. as touch him in. up on his on his, on his performance. Um, Yeah, we will we, we'll wait and see. So we've got yeah. one wait and see, one that we're in favour of. But all of this means that you know casting is a bit of a nightmare. Many factors come into play. So, who the hell is going to follow Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark?
0: It's a good question. Is the next Iron Man going to be Tony Stark, or just some other character donning the armor?
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, because I was I, recently in my subscription to the Ultimate Marvel Graphic Novel Collection, I received uh, the Secret Wars miniseries, which was possibly the first uh, book run of Marvel that I ever read as a you know the whole thing as a, as a kid when they did the UK reprints, and reading it now, I never realized that Iron Man. I remember seeing it, but I didn't, was a kid, I didn't really know anything about Iron Man. In fact, I didn't really know anything about Iron Man until they made Iron Man. I mean, that was such a great, you know, thing for Marvel, that they made this movie about this second-string character, that the world at large, nobody had ever cared about it, and suddenly he became the hot property of Marvel. That yeah. was amazing. Um And it was, you know, largely down to Robert Downey Jr., but I didn't realise in Secret Wars, Iron Man in that series is... Portrayed by Rhodey, like that I, at that time in the Marvel universe, hey. uh, Tony was not Iron Man. Rhodey was Iron Man,
0: because um, given the context of the last Iron Man film, spoilers, spoilers, everyone. There, there was, there was, shall we say, it was heavily implied that he was retiring as Iron Man. So it's in many ways the the suit is free for someone else to step into fairly painlessly and it, would that be a better way of recasting rather than finding but, somebody else to be f-
1: Right, well, there's two, there's two things about that. One is that, Iron, uh, that RDJ is going to be Iron Man in The Avengers 2. So they've obviously made that into a plot point. Right? It's like, I, I'm not going to do this anymore, and then Avengers 2 is going to come along and go out, Okay, I will do this again. So that's that's the that's the first thing that we know. Just urgently. when I thought I was out, they pull me right back in again. Yeah, the second thing is that it doesn't it's matter with this yet. It. it doesn't matter how many people you shoehorn into the armour, it always comes back to being Tony Stark in the end. Yes. So um you know, you might have a period where it is not. I mean, you know, I could see a a, a scenario in which they do actually do the thing where Iron Man 4 is, you know, they, tr- they go, well, someone else is going to do it, and then Tony Stark has to step back in. And that would actually be a really good way to introduce a new actor as Tony Stark, yeah. would be to do this thing where, at the beginning, Tony Stark is not Iron Man. And it's like, because that's a kind of like a meta joke. It's like, not I mean, only is Tony Stark
3: not Iron Man, but this Tony Stark isn't the Tony Stark we had before, so... I mean, the films have to deal with that, don't they? Because obviously, we're now we're now looking at what will be hopefully if Marvel keep churning these out. You know, several years of 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 films in the Marvel universe, growing. You know, going on and on. And of course, you know, unlike comics, you have to replace the actors. So this will have to come up with other kind of iconic characters. Uh, this is one of those things. But yeah, so there'll probably be a big gap, and then someone else will come along. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, you know, it's, so it is. I mean. There is actually an actor who has expressed an interest, uh, which we discussed briefly beforehand. Uh, We'll have to cut straight to the chase because we can't make the uh, listeners go, go on, have a guess. You won't (laughs) guess it. Guess who it is. You either know this or you don't. Mark Wahlberg in an interview expressed an interest in portraying uh, Tony Stark, which on the surface of it doesn't
3: sound like the best idea in the world. But I don't know. What do you guys think, Mark? You know, look, he's, I can't. He's a good actor, you know. Um, but is he really? I mean, he, you know, he's kind of got this kind of blue collar thing going on in all of his stuff. So I think it would be a bit of a stretch to imagine him as this kind well, of millionaire playboy. He, he's a, he's an actor, you know. I'm he, sure he can play someone, Rich. He if he can play a maniac who kills people, he yeah. can. You
0: can play I, a Rich, rich I guy. <laughs>
3: No, it's possible. It's just that we don't, you know, we're so we kind of all got our opinion of what he is and what he's done. That, but, but I'm not saying that he wouldn't and he wouldn't do a great job at it. It's just that initially you kind of go, really, you know, but then, I mean, to say he could put it off because he's a good actor. Uh,
2: hello. Yeah, I think he's quite cheeky, though. So I do think that he's got the cheek and the wit to be able to do it. But <laughs> I do think that maybe they could reboot him as like Iron Man who takes over from the millionaire. Maybe he could be like a millionaire's accomplice or something. You know, like Tony Stark's little apprentice or something who comes along and then becomes Iron Man or something like that. Because, as you said, he's very blue-collar. He's very working man. So, you know, I think that might be the way they have to lead him in.
1: I, I, I have to say, I think that they're going to have to bite the bullet. And whoever plays Iron Man next it's going to have to be Tony Stark. I, I agree,
3: because it's not like, I mean, it, it, you know, it it's such an iconic uh, character that, I mean, the fact that he's in a suit, fair enough, but, it, you know, you care about, it's you know, you think about the last Iron Man film, it's all about Tony Stark, yeah. and so I think the person they who who will, you know, take over that role, I think you, it would be a bit weird being, you know, just someone else in an Iron Man suit, because that's the kind of the least interesting part of the character, the one running around shooting rockets. So, yeah, I agree. I think it would have to be a Tony Stark. And it would have they would they would have to pick someone who had that kind of charisma that Robert Downey Jr. has, I think, you know, to pull it off. That's I'm not true. saying Michael uh, uh, well, well, we couldn't do that. It's just that, you know, we, we, I don't associate him with those type of roles, but I'm sure he could do it.
2: Well, it's just, thing,
3: maybe he he it's have, not right yet. Maybe maybe it would need him a bit older or, you know, I don't know.
2: No, I think he has the charisma. I don't think he has the look. I don't think he has That's the right me. look. I he's think he's like too baby-faced-ish. I think he's too. I don't think he has the right look. He needs to be a different look. Yeah. Um, of all the guys that are out there that look right and possibly could do it, maybe you know, there's I can't remember his name now. The guy who was in uh, Pineapple Express.
1: Oh, uh, James Franco.
2: James Franco, possibly, is the right looking kind of guy. That kind, you need that kind of look, that dark, brooding kind of looking guy, but with the cheek.
1: Well, I think, I, I mean, now that we come to put that on the table, I mean, right, the first thing I'm going to say on the Marky Mark thing, he just said it in an interview, I don't think he's like, oh yeah, Totes cast me as Tony Stark. I think he just said, that'd be cool. So that's, we're making a, a, a big thing out of that, but uh, to be honest, if, I think that the look comes down a lot to being an actor. So, yeah, I mean, what we're saying is we've just never seen him in that role. And if he thinks he could do it, I'd be willing to give him a, a try. But I think James Franco is a very good call, actually, yeah. at this stage in his yeah. career. Yeah. Did, did yeah. everyone yeah. see or has anyone caught Oz the Great and Powerful, apart from us? Uh I haven't seen that, actually. But I mean, oh, I hope it's no. good. You'd love it, Justin. I can't believe yeah. you missed that one. It was great. Th- it, was, it was like slated by everyone, wasn't it? It's another one in Disney movies, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, not... it, it was, it was, we went to see it. We were really happy. Oh, okay,
3: uh, yeah. well, I'll catch it when it comes out. Must be coming out soon. Uh, I just, I think I, took... anyway, I didn't, I didn't see it, but, um, but yeah, I, 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 I get that. Um, I think there are other, I think there are uh, other actors that could do it, uh, but you know, but I don't think it's as, maybe as uh, difficult as maybe some other roles. I think it's something that you could, you know. I think a, I think a few actors could take that part.
1: Oh, interesting! I think that's controversial because I think when they made <laughs> Iron Man as a movie, and they went and the thing that we—I mean—people forget, but in two thousand and five, they go, "Yeah, we're going to make an Iron Man movie, and Robert Downey Jr. is going to be Iron Man," and they got ni- they got nice, quiet sets. You know, a few people turned <laughs> up, took a couple of photographs, but it was all fine because who cared? Robert Downey Jr. really Iron Man? Who cares? And then the film came out, and from that point on, closed sets, keep them away, and that's that's the the the, the gold factor here is that Robert Downey Jr. did something to the Iron Man franchise. Yes. You know, he created it, built it, along with uh, you know John Favreau. The two of them work very closely together.
3: Just yeah, I mean, just a, just to kind of return to my point, and what I meant was, I don't think you have to do it in a certain way. You just have to bring. You have to have to be a certain type of actor that's got something about you, and I think people will go along for the ride. I don't think it's like you have to play Tony Stark in this particular way. I think you just have to be an actor with something about you. I think your,
1: I think your point there is borne out uh, adequately by uh, the uh, the voice actor playing Tony Stark in Earth's Mightiest Heroes, the animation, who just basically tries to ape Robert Downey Jr. and it's a little bit irritating. Yes. So yeah, I mean that's a. So I think we we we're all cast out at this point. Uh, yeah.
0: oh, yes, we're, we're I, I, I like Justin's drift. tactic though of squeaking a toy when someone says something he disagrees with—a <laughs> a way of undermining them. It's like, genius.
1: <laughs> we, we, we're outcast. Get to your head, man. <laughs> we're adrift. So I think we definitely need a topic change. Do you not yes.
0: agree? Yes. Oh please, spin <laughs> the wheel. Even because we are Revenge of the 80s kids, I feel the need to suddenly lurch reassuringly back into the 80s. On um, my good old tie 2600 there was, uh, what I believe was the first movie-video game tie-in, which was uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I suppose when you think about indie film now, you kind of think of it as, as a kind of an action franchise, as, uh, as much as a puzzle-solving franchise. Um, but this is pretty much a puzzle, and it was entirely based around pretty much the map room and discovering where the Ark was buried, and then digging up that particular spot, so to speak. I, I thought that was quite a kind of clever, kind of renewable mechanic, because even today I can plug it in, I have no idea where the Ark is, I have to go through the rigmarole of getting the headpiece of her and get into the map-, map room and standing on the plinth at high noon and finding out where that is, and then and getting the equipment and then go digging it up. So I suppose that was quite clever. Uh, his next game, however, was E.T. for the Atari, so perhaps burning in flames. Um, but uh, yes, movie out, video games adaptations of movies and movies based on video games. It's kind of a troubled path. There's a few gems along the way, but mostly it's been uh, it has not been a positive exchange. I would say.
1: No, and I think what's well, the reason that we kind of I, I kind of I brought up the topic, uh, but that's a very good intro to the very you know bedrock. Of the uh, of the relationship. I mean, what's interesting about that is, yeah, some of the more successful earlier adaptations of movies into video games do centre around where they went. Well, we can't obviously do the whole movie, uh, so we're going to pick something that makes a video game out of the movie. I remember the original UK adaptation of the Aliens movie um, was you, you were some Marines in a sort of proto first person shooter uh you every, you would have a series of rooms which were the the base on um LV426 and you had a number of marines like four or five and every room was presented as if you were standing in the center of it and you could rotate around and see the doors to the next room and you had to go from room to room and you had a limited amount of bullets and you didn't you wanted to get out of the base or towards the drop ship without encountering too many aliens Because you would run out of bullets before you, you know, you got there. And, and it was very tense. It was very scary. It wasn't helped by the fact that all the rooms looked the same. And so, you know, there was probably a lot of graph paper and going, right, I'm going this way and I'm going that way and I need to go there. And, you know, it was, it it was all based around that one thing. It didn't have the rest of it. And then there was another video game adaptation called, which was called in the UK, Aliens US, in which you loaded several different games which represented all the different parts of the movie. Um, hmm. So, yeah, so, I mean, there were different approaches back then. And it was very much that way. It came from a movie into the arena of video games. And and I suppose, therefore, it was only a matter of time before it started going the other way. But right at the beginning, you did not make movies of video games because that was just silly. Why would anyone do that? Um, but the, the reason I've come up with this is because we we haven't had a lot of movie news out at the moment, whereas in the world of video games, they've had all the conferences, they've announced the next generation of consoles, we've seen, you know, uh, gameplay videos of all the new video games that are going to come up in the next, you know, year, and so on and so forth. And what overwhelms me about this, this wealth of information is that in the current generation of consoles and video games, there's almost a thing to say, is this it? Is it over? Are we... Is there, Because there are certain games coming out to which there's very little point of making a video game of it. And as the video game industry is worth more than the movie industry, the, the sort of adaptations over time have become increasingly forgettable. Um, and they were never great to start off with. So that's, that's basically the two ends of the spectrum is uh, the ZX Spectrum. But um, ah, <laughs> is on the one end you have this kind of idea where the, the days when they had to be very creative to to sort of shoehorn the two together. Then we have this middle period, which I like to think of as the period represented by Doom the movie, and yes. then at the other end you have this present day. So we're going to take a quick overview of that sort of
0: period. Um, so yeah. That's well- the- I mean, it was initially it was it was video games were the tail on the dog, weren't they? And you know, my you know, my, my I had a ZX Spectrum, and you know, I played Robocop on that. I played Short Circuit on that.
3: Uh, yeah. the, um, they were all movie movie adaptations. Uh, I, think I played as well on my Spectrum. Oh my gosh, it's going back in a while now. Total Recall as well. View to a Kill.
1: View to a Kill. Oh <laughs> God, kill. yes, I remember that one. Gosh. Uh-huh. <laughs>
0: oh, that had some mighty the sense <laughs> of my gaming memory there. <laughs> that had some ups suppose, and downs. Suppose, you had your technological jump then, I suppose, when you had your was it eight bit, sixteen bit? Because you started getting like the Terminator tying games yeah. and things like that. And, you know, it was in color, and yes, it was probably a two D uh, platforming shooter, up a scrolly thing. Uh, but it, it provided you like it was a, it was a scrolly shooter thing in the mold of that movie you quite liked. Well, <laughs> yeah. So I. The Terminator adaptation
1: for the Sega Mega Drive was obviously quite a bit after the actual movie, and it was surprising... I think a lot of people were surprised at how good that was. Because you wouldn't think that the Terminator would make a great video game, being as there's one enemy. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) But it it did work, yeah. But but the thing is, um, as I I recall, isn't there there a a bad guy in uh, Resident Evil 3 who is basically the bad guy you shoot and he goes away and he comes back again later. So, you know, the, the like bad guy... The,
1: that you, yes, Re- yes. the evil nemesis, that one is.
0: So, yeah, the, the, the whole concept of, like, the bad guy you, you clash with periodically until you're allowed to take him down at the end, it, it lends itself quite well to video games, I would have thought.
1: Oh, I guess, but, I mean, I think that, you know, at the time of that point, people didn't think... They thought of things that you faced at the end of a level of... of, of Mario or whatever as a boss, but they didn't think of the Terminator as uh, the Terminator is the boss. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They, d- they didn't.
0: Yeah. But I, I suppose, really, well, thinking about it is I think probably Raiders Lost Like is the first home video game tie in, but probably the. But initially, of course, video games meant arcade, and I suppose arcade Star Wars.
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and the Death Star uh, Assault. I remember so, that very, yes. very well.
0: Yeah. Yes, Star
1: Wars arcade game uh, where you sat in the cabinet.
0: Um, and, uh, yes. And, and pretty much, I think LucasArts have been, you know, they do a long period of them churning out Star Wars games, Indiana Jones games. Uh, kind of, you know, they did a lot of, well, LucasArts did a lot of other things as well. and they, they were the point and click guys for quite a long time.
1: Um, um, but, that, I mean, yeah, because I mean, there was a, I mean, yes, now that you come to mention coin-ops, the other coin you said about playing Robocop. The thing I remember about the Romeo Cop home computer game was that on the spectrum, the, the sampled speech was not all that it could be. And so <laughs> it sounded as if he was endorsing, uh, people to uphold the pubic bust. Um, so yeah, it, just, it also sounded like the main character was called Purple Cop. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> so, yeah, not 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 so great. Yes, well, human voices—the sounds like, spectrum can actually make.
1: Well, of course, the one that was uh, that was um, another one that. Was, yeah, I mean, this is the thing: the things you remember about those early uh, video game uh, adaptations of movies or video game tie-ins were, were things that were just bizarre that resulted out of the limitations of the technology. I am, of course, looking at you, the ZX Spectrum rendition of the Ghostbusters Steam tune. <laughs> <laughs> just... <laughs> I mean that was a that was a that was a game people thought that the Ghostbusters uh, Spectrum game was a good game. But it wasn't you I'm sure you could go and find an emulator of it. You go, people thought this was a good game. Oh, it was a terrible game. But yeah. people played it. <laughs> it was just um, and that's that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, as, as tech, they, what I think made people very excited in the world of computer games is that the better the computers got, the the closer they got. It was almost like this holy grail of of cinematic experience. And you yeah. know, you passed through from Ghostbusters to the the Batman 1989 conversion, which came out in the 90s for the Atari ST and the Amiga, in which yeah, you got a nice. little, you got something that looked vaguely like Batman swinging
0: around on. Platform. <laughs> Um, and
3: that was, wow, look rather than like (laughs) 7 pixels (laughs) (laughs) I
0: mean, uh, I I think I think in the exchange of of franchises, I think I think, you know, on the whole video games adapting movies has come off better than movies adapting video games Um, because, you know I think a lot of people who make video games are kind of frustrated film directors. Anyway, they've always, they, you know, they, they grew up on you know popcorn movies like the rest of us in comic books, so they've always kind of wanted to do games about those things and have very cinematic cutscenes, yeah. um, and have you know visuals are uh, you know, of prime importance in video games and has been for quite some time. Uh, whereas you know it, you you can't have you can't translate compelling gameplay into a movie at all.
1: Oh, well, no, no, uh, no, I, well, I, you, know, you can't, yes, uh, the game is a game. You can do, you can do, it, uh, but it's rare. I think. Well, well, I think that it's, you're right, I, th- I think that's the but point. But rare
0: to think, never. Yes, I agree. Yeah,
1: to give, to give a movie experience that's like a computer game, or that, that successfully evokes a computer game without sort of losing people entirely is, is very, very difficult. Um and, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm, I can't remember what, in my head, the first video game adaptation ever uh, is the Super Mario Brothers movie. That's,
3: that's the first thing that's gone into my head, Super Mario Brothers. But it can't... Is, be- it is infamous.
1: I'm pretty sure that Super Mario Brothers came out because they were doing something else.
0: And I'm, I, I'm not sure what the reasons for making that movie were, but they were flawed, whatever they were. Because uh, it's it relation to the Super Mario universe, particularly.
1: No, uh, well, yeah, I mean, it, it was it, it was all
3: around a bad idea. Um, Desperation, you know, clearly that was doing quite well for itself, Super Mario Brothers, so, you know, well, uh, why not uh, Ray- tap into that market, but obviously no, don't, don't do that.
0: Well, it's very carto- Mario is very cartoony, and then they
3: have a live-action Bob Hoskins, it's like, why? Uh, but it's also... Well, um, it's something said, with like Popeye, and, you know, it has been done with well, others. Well, exactly. Um, it's...
0: The thing is the other oh, oh, damn it, you don't derail me, goddamn you and your squeaky toys, distracting me in your mind games. <laughs> <Spoiler>. <laughs> What he got into your head. <laughs> yes, I was going to say the problem a lot of these, even when it's a very slick movie based on a video game franchise, a criticism that is often labeled at these movies is that they're essentially a, like an hour and a half intro movie sequence. That was pretty much what got what they said about the Tomb Raider stuff. Yeah. Well, it's, a, like, it's a very long cutscene. That's all it is. Right. Uh, just
1: to, uh, I, I, my curiosity had to be satisfied. It does boggle my mind slightly here that. In fact the very first video game adaptation movie adaptation of video game was Super Mario Brothers in 1993. It shouldn't
0: really because platformers were were the god of of that, of that era of video game.
1: Yeah, I know that, but the point about, about I, I, the thing that, that gets into my head about that is really they they, they choose that's where they chose to start Super <laughs> Mario so what's,
3: Brothers. It was what's there at the t- well, you know, I mean, it's you know, producers are obviously, who are a bit clueless to these things, are just looking at numbers and going, a lot of people are playing this. Uh, yes.
1: You know,
3: not a very clever idea. We can't, think of, we, can't think we can't think of reason to make Tetris
0: into a movie yet. You know?
1: before, before we go any further, I'm just going to quickly, I'm not going to tell you the titles of the movies, right? But I am going to just run through the aggregate Rotten Tomatoes score for the list on Wikipedia of international... Um, video game movies. Okay, so right. I, we'll start with Super Mario Brothers because we know that's the first one. Thirteen percent. That's its aggregate score. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen it
3: through, actually, mm-hmm. to the end. So
1: that's okay. Good. <laughs> okay, so here we go. Thirteen percent, and then we go down as naught percent, thirteen percent, thirty-four percent, six percent, eleven percent, nineteen percent, forty-three percent, thirty-four, twenty-four, four, twenty-one, one, twenty-four. 29. Not one of them has cracked. Not one of them has cracked 50%. Did you say 0%? 0% for... Right, I'll I'll give you the 0%. We've got a guess now. The Uh, 0... Right, okay, go and have a guess. I'm thinking, make Street Fighter? Uh, nope. Street Fighter managed to score a whopping 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. Well,
0: I I suppose Street Fighter will at least have fights in it, But I suppose, you know, it may not be a poor adaptation, but at least someone got hit in their face. Yes. Um.
1: (laughs) Uh, no, the one that managed to get a whole naught percent on Rotten Tomatoes was the movie adaptation, which we, none of us, I imagine, have ever seen, of Double Dragon. No. <laughs> it had a budget of 16, uh, 16 million dollars. Right. And made a box office wow. of 2 million dollars.
3: Oh. <laughs> oh, I don't know.
1: Oh, oh no. So, yeah, so... Um, Sweet
0: so by curiosity
1: now, in though. Certain, a
0: certain point to continue. <laughs> um.
1: So, yeah, so at the point at which, basically, what we, we've got here is that in 1993 we had Super Mario Brothers score 30%. <laughs> in 1994 we had Double Dragon with a score of 0%. Yeah. Uh, in 1994, later on, like, like literally a month later, we had Street Fighter with a th- massive 13%. They
3: did not get a point, were they, really?
1: It, <laughs> simply, incidentally, the one with the highest budget out of those first three was Super Mario Brothers, with a budget of... Anyone guess the budget of Super Mario Brothers? <laughs>
0: it was 50 I mean, million. It,
1: Oh, well done, Ian. 48 million. Nearly that. that. And it I, made... I, a box office, that was an expensive moustache. <laughs> it made a box office of 20 million. Mmm. Mmm, great. Whereas Street Fighter... Had a uh, budget of thirty-five million and made a box office of ninety-nine million. So Street well. actually made a profit. Thank you, Jean Claude, Kylie, and Raoul Julia. That's all <laughs> I can say. You're right. Well, you know,
3: punching each other will always, you know, people so, will always watch that. So,
1: so then the next video game adaptation to come out in 1995 was the much vaunted Mortal Combat. <laughs> Adam. Uh, thank you very much, wife. Um, how many? Uh, I mean, I did say it briefly, so people who can rewind and listen and get... But you probably—I just fired percentages at you, and all of them were low. So you won't know it won't be above fifty percent.
3: its aggregate score? Do you reckon? So no, there was one. There, there was one about six percent. But I think it would be higher than that because I didn't. Yeah, yeah. Ter- on that. that was terrible. I thought it was all right. So uh I don't
1: know. Um, um, probably in the teens, I would say, but I can't remember the, the scores you got. No, thirty-four percent no, on it. So by okay. far, by far exceeding the score of every video game movie yeah. that had come before it. In fact, more than double any that had come before it. It made oh. one hundred and twenty-two million pounds at the box office. Anyone want to guess the budget?
3: Uh, it was probably quite oh, be a lot. Ethics, though, did, no, not astronomical. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> sixty, sixty million. Sixty million, Ian. Oh, I, I think less than six million. Uh, so price
0: is right. So I'll, I'll say six million. <laughs> right. So everyone's <laughs> going to, to cut him and then win. The budget
1: <laughs> uh, of the Mortal Kombat movie, directed by Paul W S Anderson, eighteen million dollars. <laughs>
3: eighteen.
1: Yes. Yeah. What? They made Mortal Kombat for $18 well, million. That's dollars. very
3: smart. Yeah. Yeah, Christopher <laughs> Lambert in it. How much, how much money do you think was actually in that movie? My God. I just thought there was a fix and stuff in it. Maybe they weren't very expensive effects. <laughs> OK. It was not a, it's not a high-budget movie. More, Things, it's more physical you know, than anything. So, well, that's very, very uh, smart filmmaking, isn't it? That's well, how you it. Well, look, guys. <laughs> Lambert's paycheck. <laughs> yes. This
0: is this is the thing. Um, and this is, this is what the problem essentially is around. You're kind of making a movie based on a video game, and the reason they're doing that is because those video games already have uh, a marketing. You know, people know what they know what it is, so that they're not going in to see a blank slate. Uh, the thing is, are they good movies? Are they enjoyable for, for what they are for the genre that they that they're in? Are they are they acceptable? As far movie? as
1: Mortal, Mortal Kombat, Kombat goes, I will say for what Mortal Kombat is and for what it is trying to do, yes, I think Mortal Kombat. Is a fight you could put it on today and be like, "Oh, this is fun." Oh, yeah, it's not it's not intellectual fun, but it
3: is fun. It's a well, fun. no, it's
0: a, it's a kind of it's a kind of beer and pizza movie that you yes. put on when
3: you come on. But but um, how can I put this? The, the foundations are a bit rocky to begin with because you know if this is this is it's starting from a point where story is largely irrelevant so it's all about the name it's all about, you know, um, cashing into another player. When box. you say story's irrelevant and this is this is the oh, problem
0: where you kind of setting yourself up for f- failing, adapting a video game most of the time is because video game players, the people who really like these games, have to be kind of seriously into these games and because they play for long periods of time and have a lot of investment in them and you know, when it comes to Mortal Kombat you say, well it's just people fighting, but you know, each character in Mortal Kombat has its own reason to be in the tournament and they have sort of Relationships with other, you know, and grudges uh, with other members in that tournament, and if these things don't get reflected in the movies, or oh, my God, that character was completely rubbish. He was just kind of there to go. Where, where's the pathos? Where's the thing they're supposed to have this dark, brooding hatred with this other character that was a, like a core thing in the video game? It wasn't reflected in the movie at all. I think you that's know, not you won't find you will find a group more passionate than you know, video game enthusiasts.
3: Films. That's the that's the point
0: right it, well this is it this website you're setting yourself up for a fall I, I agree with your point you've got to make a good movie at the end of the day but the people who like this stuff aren't going to like the movie
3: they aren't going to no and and the thing is it's been anything it's rare you know we, we're used to kind of going films and seeing things like lord of the rings and the marvel films where the adaption is very close to the source material because it's done by a pan who's got some money and making films and you know Um, But that's relatively recent phenomena. So even if there was a crack in video game, you know, um, then certainly then it would not have been made by 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 that person who had like financial clout to make a film. It's just made by the producer going. "Uh, This is doing well. Let's tap into that. So it's a bit, you know, it's of course, it's not going to appeal to the fan of the video game because it's trying to appeal to everyone. So it's a kind of a it's a lose lose situation because no. it doesn't have any ground you know, it's not a very good you know, it's not a very good way to make a film to re- just return, following the money to return
1: to the uh, to the to, to Mortal Kombat for a second uh, obviously it, make a film for 18 million make 122 at the box office yeah. this explains the the advent of Mortal Kombat Annihilation uh, 2 years later in 1997 uh, the budget was up slightly. It was 30 million. Do you yeah. want to know what the box office was on that? Nah. Oh, no, I do want to know. I don't know what it is. Go on then. 51 million. 6% uh, okay. aggregated Rotten Tomato score. Well, uh, the thing
0: yeah. is, it, these sort of movies, it's also going to count into DVD rentals, DVD sales. I mean, this is all factored into the kind of the business model. Yeah, I don't model.
1: think there's many people. I to. mean, I wouldn't
0: expect Mortal Kombat Annihilation to become like a box office queuing round the corner kind of movie. Well, anyway.
1: no, well, no, but obviously after Mortal Kombat, they thought, oh, we could probably get away with this, and then it all went wrong. They upped the budget, they tried... I mean, that's an interesting thing, is that the the traditional wisdom on sequels is that you make a popular movie, and then the sequel gets less money, and each subsequent sequel gets less money. In this case, they thought they'd crack the cash cow. They thought, oh, Mortal Kombat made money, let's see if we can make a more expensive movie and get it, and it just... They, they, well, no, they, they went, they went, went
0: bigger. But they weren't expecting it to be a huge movie because the video games had a reputation, and they did all right. So they let's go bigger next time.
2: Yeah, I think it was probably um,
0: thinking. Um, I suppose, in many ways, the most successful movie franchise video game would be Resident Evil, as uh, it's five movies.
1: Now? You say, in many ways, uh, well, financially, certainly this is borne out. Uh, the first movie the
0: What? And number of movies.
1: Oh, yes. Well, the, you, when you kind of look at the box office sort of turnaround, you, you, you can see why. First movie, uh, these are all the one movies of Paul W.S. Anderson, by the way. 33 yeah. million budget, 102 million at the box office. Yeah. Second movie, 45 million budget, 129 million at the box office. Uh, Extinction, st- stuck at the 40 million mark on the budget, 45 million. 147 million at the box office. Afterlife, 60
3: million budget, 296 million at the box office. And there's things going on yeah, though. I think if this was if this was a series of sequels made by the people, I don't think those box office reserves would be as high because I think because it's the same director and he's doing a good job. People are, are now bought into that franchise and they trust it.
1: Well, you've made a highly controversial statement there, Justin. Yeah. There are not many people who would follow you saying that. Uh, Paul W.S. Anderson was doing a good job of Resident Evil. Really? Oh yeah, so Resident Evil, people who really like the
0: Resident Evil games hate the Resident yeah. or film. of course they do. But, but, that's, but that's, even though the video games industry may have more money these days, they're, they're, films will always have a bigger reach in terms of audience. And there's lots of people who go see the movies who have never played the games and probably never will. But they, they, they've seen them before and they know exactly what they're going to be getting when
3: they go see it and they'll go see the sixth one the when it comes out. It's probably because it's not slaved to the stories in the video game because, you know, the director's just making films he wants to make with the story he wants to tell. It's not like you know, uh, kind of trapped by having to go. I'd say now, uh, certainly, a lot of elements in the earlier movies that we
0: could be saying were derivative of what yeah. was in the movies.
1: Oh, said, all uh, the way, all the way along, they've they've definitely. They, I mean, if you, I watched uh, last week uh, the, the, the Japanese uh, CGI movie Resident Evil: Damnation, uh, which is the sequel to the previous computer-generated Resident Evil movie, which me and Justin watched to our, our detriment. <laughs> Because yeah. it wasn't very good, yeah. um, but um, certainly, if you, I mean, the difference between those two Japanese CGI movies, the main difference is that the characters from the games are the feature characters in the movies, whereas Alice, a completely made-up character, is the made char- main character in the Resident Evil movies, which is what a lot of people who play Resident Evil have a bone. You know, they don't like that, um, and it doesn't help that. After making Resident Evil, Milo Jovovich married poor W.S. Anderson. That's where they met. It was on the set of Resident Evil. And so now they're like, oh, you're just giving your wife a job. It's like, well, honestly, you, he wasn't giving his wife a job in the first movie. And she is a character. She was the main character of the first movie. Yeah.
0: So it, it, It's odd that she agreed to do the first Resident Evil because her little brother was such a big fan of Resident Evil. <laughs>
3: And I think maybe, you know, the point of all this is that maybe films are only really successful when, when they become their own entity and not slave to the source material. The okay, well, uh, here's a thing. Um, in terms
0: of, like, an easy mechanic to convert, like in a game mechanic you can convert reasonably easily to a film version, and which atmospherics are central to the game and obviously translate to a movie, you would have thought um, Silent Hill, would have been a much easier translation than it actually turned out to be
1: um, well in what sense
0: well because the core concept is there's there's two worlds you're flipping and out no 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 there's... I mean
1: in what sense an easier
0: adaptation Easier adaptation it? um, because it's uh, it's, it's quite a bad. very it's <laughs> a very normal relatable person that you're in and it's kind of like this kind of an alienating lonely world and then you're falling deeper into like hell as you Make,
3: progress uh, through uh, it happy and revelations come happy. in with the characters you're up against yeah, it, I, think, uh, no, I'm well, saying, I think i think what you're getting at is there that it's not it's not like a uh, an established universe that you've got to it for people you yeah but it is set it all up you can just start with that person and throw them into hell
1: well why right but why do you say that it wasn't an easy conversion because i've seen the movie i
0: was happy you happy with it? I thought there was a, a generally kind of hmm, about it. Uh, no, wasn't I mean? I know they dicked with it. It was but It was other movies where they went in and, and said, "Well, your vision of the film was fine. We're going to stick in my, uh, stick in Sean Bean though." Oh yeah, no, no th- 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 there
1: was that whole thing where they made the, Christoph Christophon made the film, and then they showed it to the studio, and the studio went, "There's no men in it." I mean, there's there's zombie men, but the, the, in character terms, you
0: have... How ever. are we supposed to watch a movie without a wet um, white heterosexual male in it? For goodness no, sake, that, man, that, what's wrong that, with you?
1: That is exactly what
3: they said. So they made this whole Sean Bean thing. Up, but that you... Iron Man cartoon that with, with the, with the you, know, uh, that, you know, sort of talking about where, yeah, that kind of... It's very old school thinking, but I'm of course I can believe it happens. So um, he was a complete fabrication or added, added
1: on. That oh, yes, he was completely. If you look, I mean, you can see it. You look at the movie, it's like, there's no need for those scenes yeah. that plot line or that character. There's just nothing.
0: Um, yeah. But crazy. Th- actually, actually, though, the, um, the, in the movie, when the transition between the two worlds, you have, like, the world kind of peels off in shreds to reveal the sort of metal yes. and yes, yes. rust. That's actually carried over to the video games that actually kept that motif. So that's what you can say. It's a complete waste of time. The video games have benefited from cinema having a bit of a a bash in it. But um, But...
1: Yeah, I mean, just to give you the numbers. Yeah, 29% Rotten Tomatoes, 50 million budget, 97 million at the box office. I mean, to date, I can see just from the numbers, Resident Evil is the most successful video game franchise of all time. The budgets are modest, and the box office is... The, the, the last one, Retribution, which Pop has finished making his money, is the last one that showed a drop in box office returns.
3: Yeah. Hmm. I, mean, I say, I think it's just because it's his own entity. I don't think you go along going, this isn't, you know, based on anything. I think it's just you, the character is continuous. You, people like the character, you know, and you kind of you, they mix it up a bit as well.
1: The, the well I was not saying that. I was more saying that to point out that in fact if you look at the relative budgets and box office of every other movie uh based on a video game or whatever um, they all do worse relatively yes. speaking than yes. I mean Prince of Persia Sands of Time um, had a uh, did make box office of 335 million which sounds creditable however it had a uh, a budget of 200 million Wow. So mm. you know, this just shows where
0: you're at with it. Yeah. But going the other way, uh, computers adapting movies. It, it, it's kind of going away. They've kind of realized that they they can just grab franchises from lots of places because the Batman Arkham Asylum is pretty huge. Um, and, and and these days, and that's kind of more based on the on the comic book universe. Um, I think
1: that is. I think that is definitely a a thing that we. You, 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 yeah. You. Brought in at exactly the right time. Yes, compute, uh, it used to be that a movie tie-in for a video game was quite a big deal because it was bound to make whichever studio took on the adaptation a bunch of money. But the, the games weren't often very good, but they were a big thing. Yeah. But now, um, yeah, I don't think... I mean, Batman Arkham Asylum and Batman uh, Arkham City... They're Batman games. They're not anything to do with the Batman movies made by Christopher Nolan. No,
3: mm. no. and some would say they you know, they're probably closer to the uh, to Batman characters being portrayed on film. So, um, this,
0: but, uh, well, uh, well uh, I can't I guess... think I can't think of the last kind of video game tie-in at all. Uh, that sort of. Uh, it doesn't really come to mind. It, it's almost like it's not part of a marketing strategy anymore. But uh, well, it must thing, be I mean, there.
3: I think Lego, the last I've done it, you know, quite a lot. Who's, they, who's they done start. it? Sorry, who's done it? They, the Lego-based games. You know, oh, they, oh they, yeah. yeah. That's have they yeah. like, thing. I think that's, that, that's you know they've found a the kind of a way to do it. Do those. Well, also,
0: they are they are very easy games, um, yeah. which I don't say is a bad thing because. I think game being easy doesn't necessarily mean it's terrible. It's just it's more of a toy than the game, and it, the whole family can get around and play Star Wars Lego. That's the great thing about it.
1: And the Lego people games, of all ages. I think the Lego games are first and foremost Lego games, and then after that, their film adaptations. Because yes, they're about to do Lego Marvel Superheroes, which has nothing to do with Lego. Uh, it was nothing to do with a movie, not any of the movie universe. It's just, yeah, we're doing the uh, superheroes but, in a Lego.
3: Not, but yeah, but, but they do follow the like the the Lord of the Rings, Marvel, um, Indiana Jones. They're a little bit more oh based. Yeah, okay. they, they do, do more- movie versions, but I'm just saying that they're Lego games first. Well, of course, yeah, of course, they've just got a different skin on them. But,
1: um, but yeah, I mean, I think the last time that you actually had a big event tie-in between a movie. And a video game that was specific, that was direct was um, probably Harry Potter.
3: Yeah.
0: Yes. But well, that's, that's yeah, that's franchise really. The uh, yeah, I suppose the film is the kind of the kind, of, but the books. It's the books, well, really, isn't it? It's it's Harry Potter that is the tie yes. here. Yeah. Well, well Harry Potter is, a, is you stand the around movie. and let the gold rain down and you from the heaven. It's Harry Potter. i
1: I've, seen, um, I've seen, I mean I've played a little bit of one of the PlayStation games. I was like I'm quite enjoying this actually um the 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 advantage and the video game people played this to the full they always tied the video game release into the the movie but the advantage that the because you know, people say they come out of the movies go oh that was a great movie I enjoyed my harry potter movie but look at all the things they cut out and video games go yeah <clears throat> we don't have to do that because we're a video game in fact more content is always the rule with video games, so they put on all this extra stuff, um, and yeah I think the video games for Harry Potter were a quiet success, they, nobody really made a big thing about it, but um, I certainly enjoyed the variety of gameplay, I don't know if they got, as they got further on they got a bit more, for the sake of uh, the the sort of Grand Theft auto where you were in Hogwarts, and then you went to the icon <laughs> and picked up a mission or
0: whatever it was, but I certainly see that that's possibly where they went with it yeah. The Harry Potter MMO, I suppose. <laughs> um, speaking of which, they have, there is going to be a Warcraft movie, which we can all look forward to. Oh, I'll, just, I'll,
1: I'll just lead, right. read you the um, uh, list of, of upcoming movies in chronological order. Okay. Need for Speed is coming out next March. Right. Uh, the final, and this is being confirmed by W.S. Anderson and Miller-Jerovich, the final Resident Evil movie in the franchise is coming out next September. So that's about right. One every two years in September. Uh, one I'm quite nervous about now that I've just read about it. Coming out in 2015, Assassin's Creed. Uh, Ratchet and Clank 2015. Warcraft 2015. Angry Birds 2016. They're going to reboot Tomb Raider at some point. Uh, and then these are all, I think we can chart, put these in a Development L, Metal Gear Solid, Devil May Cry, Uncharted, Heavenly Sword, Deus Ex, Gran Turismo, and Watch Dogs. I mean, Watch Dogs hasn't even come out yet, and they've announced a movie title. Yeah. But these I mean, all- I would
0: say, I mean, video game industry has its own problems, I'll be honest with you. But in many ways, though, there's there's, a, there's, a, there's more freedom to be inventive and clever at the moment in video games than you have in movies. Um, I, I would which is why I kind of feel that in many ways it's kind of like you know we, we've got movies trying to
3: make video games rather than video games trying to make movies these days yeah and I think you know uh, when you're making a video game as well you know you're you're the character you're the guy you're personally invested in it and obviously you're not going to feel that in a film so it's always going to be really different
1: I think yeah I mean, What I'm going to have to say at this point is we've kind of got quite deep into it. And I think we've done a great basis here where we've gone, wow, look at the the sort of early relationship. But I think we're sort of running low on time in this actual discussion. And there are several things that we haven't touched on, which are, uh, for example, the fact that where I wanted to get to, which is that video games to a certain extent have outstripped the need. Like big video game franchises do not need the movie industry as much as the movie industry needs to have a franchise that's yeah. why they're making an assassins creed and a warcraft movie because the movie studios went to the game studios and begged for the yeah. rights to make the movie which is not the way it was at the beginning um, certainly
0: uh, certainly yeah. with with the, with the 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 really big releases they already look i mean they hire cinematographers to help uh, to, you know get the style and sh- shots of their, of their, of their game for, for those cut sequences uh, I mean, a Metal Gear Solid vid- uh, movie sounds completely redundant. Um, I mean, in many ways, though, I think I would like to be a, b- a bit more disciplined, uh, especially because Metal Gear Solid is just terribly, terribly overwritten. And I would, I would like someone, you know, to be an editor there, and look at their watch, and like, can we, can we cut these sequences down? I think you're being a bit too lingering, too long on, on the brooding shots. Can we just cut the character moments and get to the good stuff? You know, okay. so I I'd like some a bit more discipline in video games, but video games are perfectly cinematic as it is.
3: Yeah.
1: I well that's the thing. I think that video games have got to a point where <laughs> it's
0: also CGI. It's the same as a movie.
3: Yes. Well now so, that they're using and, and you know, they're using like motion capture techniques and things and actors in you know, it's quite common to use that in video games. So yes, I think the the blurring so distinction is
1: there's certain types of, of video game or certain video game franchises where they've kind of gone, well, we don't really need movies. This is a video game thing. It's something that, you know, that movies wouldn't understand, if you like. I mean, that's the way. But then there's the, 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 the last thing, which, you know, has come up, has occurred to me as part of this conversation, which is where there have been active attempts to hybridize, like you have exclusive content in video games that is not available in the movies and bits of the movies which are never translated to video games, but the two are together. The two franchises that most tried to to, to incorporate this kind of thing were The Matrix, and I think Riddick is the other one that was massive, trying to put content in different places. Not something that's been entirely successful anywhere it's been done, but we simply don't have time to cover any of these topics in
0: any depth. and still well, I think really uh, it was more successful than *Matrix*, mainly because the *Matrix* game wasn't very good.
1: Yeah, uh, so, but the
0: cut sequences that fitted in around the, the second movie were brilliant. So, I think
1: what we're going to have to say is we're going to have to come back to this topic again. I didn't realize what kind of a can of worms I was opening. Uh, yeah. It, it yeah. is it either
0: is the history of games or movies, ever. Well, that, that'll, that'll kill five minutes.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, we, we rest assured, uh, people who are interested in this in this topic of conversation, it will not be the last time. That you have met this particular topic on our show. But in the meanwhile, if they have the, if people have stuff they'd like to feed into that for the next time it comes around, where might they go
0: to do that, Ian? Well, one place they could obviously go would be our Facebook page, which is our community hub. You can obviously find that on Facebook, slash Revenge of the 80s Kids, and that's 80s as in numbers, that's 80s. Please go there, please like, please subscribe. We post the links there to our podcasts, as well as many other links and discussions and so forth and so on. Please, please, please go there. But if it's the podcast you want, well, it's podomatic.com, that's the dog you want. Uh, That's the 80s Kids, that's 80s as in letters, that's e i g h t i e s kids dot pomatic dot com. Please go there. Please subscribe to the podcast aggregator of your choice, or just download it straight to your computer for your own dark reasons. And yes, you can also comment and, and uh, there, and we do read every comment. Uh, so yes, so, but we can also be found elsewhere on the net. Well, some of us can also be found elsewhere on the net. I can't be found anywhere else. But Leo, where where can we find you?
1: Uh, I have my blog at leo stableford blogspot dot com, and I also have. Uh the uh weekly week by week more exciting uh Bridgetown Tales, which is uh the fairy tale serial that I'm doing this year. Um and we're just about I think this weekend yes, definitely this weekend is the final episode of book two. Book one and two are all available or at least from five o'clock, five thirty ish tomorrow. They'll all be being Sunday and i, I we don't, don't to release hangar. this on the weekend when we record it. Yeah. At this point where you listen to this podcast you'll be able to read the whole of the books one and two on wow. the blog and book three will be starting next Sunday being September the wherever the beginning of September so that's the final book in the Bridgetown tales trilogy um, and that has been illustrated in part uh, yes.
3: by by me <laughs> um, you can you can uh, see some of those illustrations obviously uh, the ones that have been done. Um, on that website, um, or you can see some of my own illustrations uh, at my Deviant Art page. My name Justin Wyatt so there.
1: That's where you can find us, and uh, no doubt one day there will be a Revenge of the Eighties Kids video game adaptation. <laughs> but until that time, yes. it's definitely game over.
3: With a, awesome. with a secret squeaky dog character you can unlock. <laughs> I personally want a Spectrum emulator version of that because I think I'd look a bit slimmer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so uh, yeah.
3: Well, that's that.
0: <sighs>
1: Not so much a bang and whimper on the end of that podcast, but never mind. I'll tuck it in and sort it out. It's fine. <laughs>